Red Sox Nation, it's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a fan way home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox Nation, it's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I fake a smile, no. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late on uh, Periscope, almost said SoundCloud, you can uh, find the episode at the conclusion of this broadcast on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. You can also find it on Spreaker. Player FM and iHeartRadio. Uh, Red Sox were a little kind of out of sequence tonight. We're in the middle of an Orioles series that was rained out, but we will mostly be covering Yankees and Indians uh, baseball, which we just played in the last week. I was on vacation out in the Midwest, so it's kind of a catch-up show, and then we'll be back on Thursday and then on Sunday, probably with a, a brand new crew for that show, Tyler and another co-host will uh, remain with us for the midweek show from here out. So you can expect uh, that in the future. And uh, as always, Tyler Seely uh, is with us. Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good besides this god-awful rain. Yeah, it's... Uh, Fall rain isn't isn't very pleasant, so... No. <laughs> yeah. No, ho- not at all. Hopefully it moves through. Also joining yeah. us is uh, the editor-in-chief of UnhingedYankees.com. Uh, that is uh, Dan Rourke, and you can find him on Twitter at Dan Allen Rourke, all together. Um, I'm a dummy. I just totally lost my spot. But, Dan, how are you? Here we go. Doing good. Glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember when we had you on last, but uh, it was definitely a good Before show. Before the May series. Before the May series in Yankee Stadium. Okay. Then, yeah. So it was pretty early. Oh, you yeah. mean the one David Price got his face kicked in? And the, well, is that, that was, the one that you're talking July. about? That was July, too. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and... and uh, We'll we'll discuss his uh, face getting kicked in a little bit last week. A uh, <laughs> lot of a lot of yeah, excuses. It wasn't too, too bad last week, actually. Yeah, it was just the um, Eduardo Nunez. Well, yeah, he uh, had a little Bill Buckner action. I saw <laughs> off of a Judge Line drive. Yeah, well, let's let's get into that one anyway. Um, that was a big game for David Price because his ERA is, I think, double digits and was uh, so before that start anyway. And 
Kind of a big game because he's been basically the best pitcher in baseball since the All-Star break. And if he were to come through in a game like that against a team that's kind of thumped him in a park that's been a house of horrors, I think a lot of people's confidence would have gone way up. But he gave up, I, I don't know how many earned runs, at least four or five in... I think three home runs, which a lot of Red Sox fans were quick to say, well, in, in Fenway Park, those are flyouts and not home runs. But but he was getting hit hard one way or the other and, you know, wasn't dotting the corners of the strike zone. And uh, Tyler, what what were your expectations going into that? And then what? how do you, how'd you feel um, once he came out of the game? Well, I'm not really a betting man, but if I was a betting man, I would have said he was going to get his face kicked in, and he basically did. So, I mean, I was right. Give up a lot of runs, decent amount of hits. I know it wasn't as bad as the one, I believe, what was it, May? That series in May. Um, But it was still bad. I mean, you give up, what was it, five or six runs, and then, you know, what, four home runs? It's like, it's a house of horrors for him. He can't pitch there. And there was really no need for it because, I mean, he was cruising, like I said. So yep. it's not yep. it's not like he had a few bad starts going into that and then, you know, got shelled again. He, he just he just did not come through in a big game. Uh, Dan, like when David Price gets a start in Yankee Stadium, are you, like, licking your chops? Like, oh, here we go. Like, <laughs> No, I'm not even kidding. It's such a good – and I'm not going to lie, I – when Yankees play the Red Sox, I do get scared. But in terms of David Price pitching, especially when it's in Yankee Stadium, it's almost like Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? Like you just you, you like you said, you lick your fingers at the thought of it. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> it's, it's I'll not... be honest. If, I, if I'm a Red Sox fan and I'm I'm very very nervous about the thought of David Price pitching against the Yankees, possibly in the ALDS, let alone in Yankee Stadium, a Yankee Stadium playoff game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's been uh, somewhat of a curse, you know, for him and, and certainly for us since he's been signed. He did pitch well out of the bullpen last year, but that's a bit of a different animal. Um, the thing is, he's going to, if we want to assume it's going to be the Yankees, and I don't know how safe of an assumption that is. It's not very safe at all. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, if... If the A's get off to a, a three-run first inning again, you know, well, not again, but like the Twins did last year, um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that the Yankees exactly get it right back. I mean, they can certainly match. I was fact that the Oakland A's are a far better team than the Twins were last year, by far, as a landslide. Yeah. Not to mention their bullpen, too. Is it could easily come, it'll probably come down to a battle of the bullpen. And if you go by bullpen year, right, the A's actually have a better year right than them. You're coming in a little low, Dan. I don't know if it's too far away or or what. No, is this? I'm even. Is my good now? Or yeah, yeah, that's a lot better. Um, but yeah, what what I was getting at though with Price is he's gonna um, he's gonna start at home, which typically he he's really dominant. And when he got finally beat the Yankees earlier in the summer, that was a home game, and. 
I don't know if he's going to be the game one or two starter yet, but it's going to be a different feel. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if you look at his postseason career, right, it, it is in the fives and whatnot. And I mean, I'm not, I'll be honest. I don't lick my fingers at the thought of it. Like in him, him pitching in Fenway against the Yankees his last time. I think it was uh, the, the four game sweep. He pitched pretty well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah that, did. that was the start I was talking about. Yeah, I, I don't think he got the win because he uh, came out with a couple of base runners on, which ended up scoring. Yep. Yeah, that but, was the walk off game, I think. Yes, it was. The Bogarts. Yeah. In extra innings. But the thing, though, where he is going to be starting at home, it's it's going to be it's going to be a different feel because not only is the local guys, you know, Pete Abraham, Rob Bradford going to be interviewing him, but Ken Rosenthal is going to be interviewing him. Buster only is going to be interviewing him. And all these national guys that you know, are only there for playoff games. And that that seems to be when he struggles, you know, because the the gravity of the moment, I think, just gets him, and unfortunately... That's, that's something I was going to say for the fact that, like, it gets no secret that, like, the big moment obviously affects him, not even just looking at postseason numbers, but whenever he comes to Yankee Stadium, he cries. So, I mean, in terms of... Like, if I'm a Boston fan and I'm pitching him in the ALDS against the Yankees, like, I don't really think there's any way I feel comfortable about it. Yeah, I, I, uh... No, but you'd agree that you'd feel more comfortable if you're a Red Sox fan of him pitching at Fenway than at without a doubt. Boston Yankee Stadium, right? Without a, I think Yankee Stadium's okay. the main problem. I mean, he, to be fair, Price did get shelled in, our, in early April against the Yankees. That was the only game they wanted a three-game set, but I'd say he's definitely a whole different pitcher at Fenway than Yankee Stadium. Right. Right, so I mean, it just I guess remains to be seen uh, what's going to happen. But I, I'm no more comfortable with with it now than I was three weeks ago. Let's put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I was going to say I feel like that's that start in Yankee Stadium last week. That was kind of a chance for him to like maybe I don't know show the Red Sox fan base that you know he's actually like pitching his best that he has in years and that he could. That it wasn't nerves, maybe. Maybe he's just become a better pitcher, but then he's had that chance a lot with the Red Sox. He's had that chance a lot. But to be fair, you would say this is definitely the best stretch he's had as a Red Sox, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also in that series, um, Erod struggled a little bit, and... uh, (laughs) Hembray promptly came in and gave up a grand slam. I think two of those runs were charged to Rodriguez. So Mm. that was a pretty ugly series for the first two games. And I was away, so I'm just kind of I'm just kind of getting updates on on Twitter and uh, you know on, Mm -hmm. on the MLB app. But I was pretty ugly about everything because. I've been saying all along, you know, I, I felt like we are who we are in the month of September because that's what happened last year. We sucked in September, and then we sucked in, no, excuse me. Yeah, we sucked in September, and then we sucked in October. You know, we weren't the team We weren't the team of April and May of 2017 by the time October came around. And I don't know what the season series is against the Yankees. I'm assuming it's fairly close. I think it's. I think you guys have about a 
two or three game advantage, I think. Okay. So if we lose, yeah, I think the sweep is the advantage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Usually going into that, and then obviously you guys swept those. Right. So we're going to come out close enough to even with the Yankees, but we lost the season series to the Indians by a game. We lost it to the Astros by a game. And those were September series. Isn't the Red Sox playoff record against, or I mean, record against playoff teams, isn't it two games under? I saw a like that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's it's under. Right. Music to my So, I'm just, everybody, you see it on Twitter all the time, they've already cashed the check, you know, we're going to win the World Series, and... um, Yeah, we'll see. No, that's what I'm saying. That's something that actually kind of makes me salivate a little bit, is the fact, it's the amount of pressure that's on you guys to actually win it all this year. Exactly, because... Enormous amount of pressure. I'm assuming, let's see, say we win one tomorrow, at least, then that gets us to 107, and then... Give us at least one against the Yankees. That's 108. I, I think you guys will take two out of three against the Yankees. Well, maybe. I mean, you guys are playing for something, so who knows how Cora is going to approach that True. series. But just say... There's momentum in the series. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, just say 108 to, to 110 is realistically where we'll end up. And mm. we're going to forever be that team until we do win the World Series. Like, we're not going to be able to talk shit to anybody. You know, the next September, if we're killing it again, they're going to be like, yeah, well, you know, 110 wins last year. You know, what'd you win? Oh, It's like the 2010 Phillies. This year for you guys, that'd be devastating. Like, devastating. Yeah. I'm just, I don't like this bullpen. <laughs> yeah. that's like I, I don't like this team. I gotta I be honest. I don't. You guys don't really like embrace this team as much. You're like, there's no like huge love behind it, especially with you. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people like aren't actually as high on this team as like like fans of a 106 win team would be. You know. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like Red Sox fans, and I'm not saying that that all of you guys out there don't watch the team on a night to night basis, but. You you're biased, right? So you see what what you see record wise. But then I look and I watch a lot of Major League Baseball. The American League blows. It mm. blows. There there's like four or five good teams in the American League. The, the rest of it is dog food. It is so bad. That is and, true. and so like the Red Sox, yes, you you give them credit for beating the teams that they did. And, and th- I guess that's the difference in the division, the Red Sox and the Yankees. The Yankees lost the teams like the Rays and the, the Tigers and the Orioles. White Sox the, and the Orioles. And the Red Sox beat those teams. So that's the yeah. difference. And the, the 110 or 112 or whatever it ends up being, it doesn't matter if you don't do anything in October. I'll take a team that wins 93 to 96 games. And wins a division and wins a World Series over a team that wins 107 or whatever it ends up being and gets bounced in the first round. That's fucking embarrassing as a Red Sox fan. Oh, that I, I say, without a doubt, especially same with the Yankees, I can say the same thing. I think this is the worst 96, 96 win team I've ever seen. It's just because I watch every game and I see them not hitting with runners in scoring position. I see this bullpen that's supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread and you know impale and blow games. So it's yep. you know, the fan actually looks into it. You think. Wow, they're lucky to even have ninety six wins, and that they very well could get bounced next week in a one game playoff and just wash it all away. Right. It, ask yourself this: 
and, and maybe Tyler, you'll probably know it a little better, you know, being a, a Sox fan, but how did you feel in mid to late September 2013? Like, I knew we were going deep. I didn't know we were going to win the World Series, and, and I, I thought that the Tigers probably would beat us, but I figured we had a shot, and... I don't feel that way this year. I don't. No, I, don't. I felt a lot better about that team than I did about this team. And, and the only reason being is the, like you could hang your hat on things on that team. Like Victorino had did, done it with the Phillies. Um, you know, Napoli had done it with Texas. Not that they won a World Series, but he done he's done it. John Lester had pitched in the postseason and had success. John Lackey had pitched in the postseason and had success. Um, you know, you could just go down that list and there was postseason performance that one of the greatest clutch hitters of all time was on your side. You don't have that anymore. Yeah. So Mookie Betts blows in the postseason right now. <laughs> not a single I'm not, RBI. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that that's going to continue because I think Mookie's a special player, as I think JD's a special player. And now we talk about X factors. JD could be an X factor. Because he's never played in the postseason with the Red Sox, and that that could totally be an X factor, and you know that could be your quote unquote Ortiz. Obviously, they're not the same player or anything like that. But like I said, I felt a lot better about that 2013 team than I do about this one. Yeah, and M- Mookie does. The bullpen have a... was better too, and that's another thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd say your, your guys' bullpen is definitely a reason to be scared. Yeah. The starting rotation scares the absolute shit out of me too. I don't understand why people are like, "Well, the bullpen scares me." The right, the, the starting rotation scares the crap out of me too because you don't know what you're going to get from Price. You don't know what you're going to get from Porcello half the time, and then Sale. I mean, he was, the sample size—he wasn't, wasn't very good in the postseason either. So, like, there's zero to hang your hat on, other than hoping that Alex Cora is, uh, you know, a really good manager and can push every right button, and you know that the bullpen will will, you know, I guess the, the team will win in spite of the bullpen. I guess that's mm. the best way to put it. Wait, so, what is your rotation line? What is it? Sale, Price, Porcello, and Samuel. exactly. Is it three men rotation? That's what I'm sure they'll go with. And I guess if you need a fourth guy, I mean, Erod, you could put Avaldi out there a little bit. I think it's, it's definitely uh, going to be a four man, really. Uh, you know, it, it'll be sale and price like we we know. And then I, I think they will put Erod and Porcello in there with guys like Wright and Avaldi on tap to go possibly long relief because I just don't think sale can handle the workload of a, of a, you know, a three man rotation. Even though yeah, at least he has gotten the rest though this year. Yeah. yeah and I, now there's built in rest too. Just remember that in the postseason. Mm. Yeah. Know, there's, there's just about a day between every game. Well, you figure what if Sale pitches game one, he'll pitch game five most likely, right? If you're going off the yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you need game four and and you you have him go on three four days rest. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, basically, the ALDS is two home for the Red Sox, two away, and then if a game five is necessary, it, it comes back to Fenway. But there's there's a day off after the first two, day off after the second two. And I think it, it very well could just come down to the fact that you guys have that extra game at home because that's 
home field advantage, especially with these two teams, it's crucial. The, the Yankees, if they can steal, I think if the Yankees can steal one of the first two games in Fenway, I think that's their key to winning it. And you could be right. You absolutely could be right. Uh, Chris, well, Sale would only pitch game five anyway, so he's not going to pitch at Yankee Stadium. But, yeah, so I, that's – see, that's the, the key to me. As a Red Sox fan, I want to have a one to nothing lead in the ALDS. That's the key. If I yep. – I, we haven't you seen that be, in forever. You have to win the games that Chris Sale starts. Like that's, like that's yep. a drawing line. You really got to win those games. You got to figure that. Assuming I guess Price will pitch game two in Boston, that I, he can pitch how he's pitched in the second half. I was almost hoping that they would. I I know it got leaked today that Sale was going to start game one, and I know you know the old baseball people will say you always go with your ace in game one, but. I would argue in a five-game series, I would pitch Price game one because if he gets his face kicked in in game one, then you got to sail game two. And if you lose that, you're probably done anyways. Right. Yeah, and then again, it, it pretty much could just be reversed. I mean, say Sale wins game one and then Price hits the bat in game two. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But then if Sale loses and Price loses, then you're down 2 nothing going back to Yankee Stadium or the Coliseum, and then it's pretty much series over. Right. I, I agree. I agree with that, Tyler. I, I ideally I would do it exactly that way because I have a feeling if it is Price Game Two and that's what it does look like, and then we are down two to nothing. Huh. That's curtains. Because let's face it, this team does not have the the mental fortitude that that 2004 team did. When and I'm not no, I'm not I, picking on you, Dan, but I mean we were. We were down 0 for 3. It's the only time four in a row has ever happened by a team that was down 3 to nothing. And oh, without a doubt. Yeah, we're, we're, this current team is not that team, and it never will no. be. And this rotation well, isn't that rotation. This rotation isn't team. even the 2013 rotation. <laughs> right. Well, to be fair, also, I mean, like, in terms of, like, the pitching battle and whatnot, that may only be a problem for you guys come, especially the ALCS, because the Astros will outmatch you guys, in my opinion, in that department by a landslide. But in terms of yep. the Yankees, they have their problems, too. Severino pitching in Boston, that I, that will make me – I won't be able to sleep the night before. So that's why, in my opinion, for the Yankees, if, I mean, assuming if the Yankees win the wild card game, I, if they start having the wild card game, I think it's not from game one, and then I go CC in game two. I don't want Severino pitching in Fenway. I think you can get shelled. Wait, all right, so let, let's talk about that. Who, who do you think is going to pitch the wild card game? I mean, in terms of who I think and who I'd want, I, I think it's going to be Jay Happ. And I, I guess that's the right decision. It lines up right now to actually be, I think, I think it is Jay Happ. And Tanaka, he didn't do too well his last outings. That kind of ruined, ruined it for him a little bit. And obviously, Severino's like five year in the second half. He hasn't been anything near himself. And he didn't pitch too well against Tampa Bay tonight. So, I mean,. I figure it'll probably be Jay Happ, and then if they win that game, like I said, Tanaka will go game one. And then Seve game two? I'm not sure, because I'm not sure if the Yankees want to pitch. If the Yankees are comfortable with pitching, say, CC in game two, and we're a CC such a heavy bullpen day, I think they'd much rather have Severino start in Yankee Stadium for game three or four, probably well, game three, rather than the first two in Fenway. Yeah, and they, yeah, I mean, it, and it might depend on how game one goes as well. Because they mm, maybe, but I, I have a feeling because a lot of times I know last season and the postseason beforehand or the last time they're in the playoffs before last year, uh, 
they will lay out the rotation usually beforehand. So a lot of times we'll get the we'll find out who's starting the first two games before it's like the first game happened. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I, if I were you guys, I would like Cap a lot in the, in the wild card game. I mean, he's been pretty solid since, since he's arrived in New York and I don't know. I just, I don't think he's going to rattle. And that's the uh, thing with Hap. I'm huge on the fact with Hap is also two reasons I'm really big on Hap starting is the mindset that he has. He's not going to get shaken up by the crowd or playoff atmosphere or whatnot. And also, Gary Sanchez is actually starting behind the plate. J. Hap's stuff is probably the arsenal that would give him the least trouble compared to like Tanaka's splitter or Severino's 90 mile an hour slider. That's the thing. I mean, I don't think Gary will have too much of a problem with J. Hap, and that's huge. And that's an excellent point as well. Um, do you expect Sanchez to get the bulk of the time? But you know, in catching? the season, yeah. Um, well, I know for Aaron Boone came out and said that Gary Sanchez is going to start behind the plate for the Walker game. But I mean, I think because there's always the fact with Sanchez, like, yeah, defense is bad, but his offense should make up for it. I mean, it hasn't done that this year, but there's always like the thought and hope that'll happen. But I think. It's, only reason he wouldn't start behind the plate, I'd say, is if something drastically bad happened. If he had a game like he had in Oakland where it was like three pass balls in the first inning, it would have to come to the point where they wouldn't start him. Right. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's a disadvantage in the wild card because you, you do have to burn one of your better starters. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, we, we fortunately, we either finished first or we finished last. So we haven't <laughs> we haven't played a, a one game wild card yet and had to really sweat that oh, out. Thankfully, it's, it's the most stressful thing in the world. It's it's terrible. <laughs> the night beforehand, it's just like, and this is also the fact where it's like last year the Yankees were significantly a better team than the Twins, but it's one game. Literally anything can happen. Like the Orioles could beat the Yanks in a one game playoff. I mean, they're the worst team in baseball, but it's anything can happen. It's a shootout. Right. <laughs> and not to mention the A's. I think arguably are better than the Yankees right now. So, Well, here's my fear with the A's. You guys have a really good bullpen, but so do they. And mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to give up many runs late. And they have a lot of good situational guys. Like Mengden can be pretty good for an inning or two. And and, and then they have Kelly and, and Familia and then Trinan. And I just, I don't know. And... Uh, Mike Fire shut us down, and last I checked, he was—he's having a pretty good second half. Oh, he's been really good with the A's. I'm pretty sure he did pretty well against us. And um, the thing with the A's, they also—they show a lot of fight, no matter like how much they're down by. Which someone about them, they have a lot of chemistry to them too. It's like a cool story. So I don't know. I have, I have a lot of faith in them. I guess, but it's anything can happen. Yeah, I, I'm not. See, I don't know who I want. Tyler, who would you rather face if, if it came down to it in the ALDS? It depends. It, it depends on if you're if you're trying to say like um, if, entertainment factor or, or like as a fan, like who I think they can beat. Right. That that's what I mean. Like who who do they match so, up like, the best against? Uh, yeah, I mean, entertainment-wise, I would pick the Yankees just because of the rivalry. And, you know, we haven't seen a series since 04 between the Red Sox and the Yankees. Um, but matchup-wise, it's got to be the A's. They don't have Manaya. 
You know, I, I know they have a great bullpen, as did Cleveland two years ago. But, I mean, I think I think the Red Sox rotation would outmatch the A's rotation. And I think the Red Sox lineup would probably outscore the A's lineup, depending on... It, because I don't think the starting rotation, uh, starting rotation for the A's is that deep. I mean, I know the bullpen is good, but, I mean, if That's your starting rotation gets whacked around, I mean... And That's the Red the thing, Sox... I mean. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. With the A's, I mean, yeah, their bullpen's so great. But think about it. This is a five-game series, and if he, if it does play out to five games, like just because how good your bullpen is, that can't that that won't translate as much as compared to like the one-game playoffs. So I mean, like, and the A's starting rotation compared to you guys and compared to us is I say significantly worse because they do rely yeah. on that bullpen heavily, especially without Manaya. Oh, that that's a big blow. That's a like a postseason changing blow. So I mean, I'll be honest. I'd probably if I were you guys, I would prefer to face. Prefer to face the Yankees. I think you guys have a better chance against the Yankees, but the age rotation—that's a big factor in that. So. Yeah, I, th- I think the whole entertainment factor, especially if you're if you love the rivalry and you know you hate the Yankees and, and you know you can't be without each other and stuff like that. Th- mm. This would be good for the future of the Red Sox Yankees rivalry. You know, oh, another it. chapter in it. I, I mean, that's must-watch TV. Even people that aren't like huge baseball fans. Oh, Red Sox Yankees playoffs—you got to watch that. that. One of the biggest marketing baseball events you figure since, besides the Cubs World Series, probably since 04. 04, yeah. Well, I mean, here's how I look at it. For whatever reason, I'm just the most uncomfortable with the A's because we haven't seen them as much. We we lost four out of six games against them in the regular season. I hate. I hate how we perform out in Oakland should we have to play a game three or four out there. And they they won those games against us before they really had a chance to make any upgrades. And granted, they had Manaya, you know, throw a no-hitter against us. But we also got one of our wins against Manaya. You know, we knocked him around the second time. And... So there, there's certain things that, that do make me uncomfortable. I, I don't think they're going to get caught up in the moment because I don't think they know any better. And with the Yankees, like you guys have been saying, there's the rivalry. And that that can add several weird dynamics to the series because yep. certain guys yep. are going to step up that might not necessarily step up against the, the A's. You know, I mean, mm. Brock Holt could have a huge game, or Brett Gardner could have a huge game against us. You Steve know? Pierce, yeah. and also it could have a negative aspect too. I mean, the pressure getting to, like the young kids on the Yankees, like both the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I'm not gonna lie, I do sense a, like a certain like level of, I think Fenway Park does actually get into some of the Yankees' heads because they're a completely different team in Fenway Park, completely different team. Yeah, and, and you know, both teams have a distinct home field advantage against one another. You know, so mm. I, I can totally, I totally get that. But at least there's familiarity with both teams, and there's just a lot of unknowns against the A's in it, and it makes me uncomfortable. And I feel like, I feel like the same exact thing as Cleveland in 2016 when we we waltzed into that series thinking oh look at this injured three-man rotation two of which are just spot starters and we're gonna we're gonna kick their asses and then before we knew it we were swept and done you know and and that 
that A's rotation is probably better than that Cleveland rotation, or, or at least the way it was, because Bauer hadn't quite broken out yet. You know, his ERA, I think, was over five for the year. And, yeah, so I don't know. It's just, it's going to be interesting. Then Look at the National League. I mean, we're, we're not going to get into it, but um, look at all the scenarios in play. There could be divisional tiebreakers. That'll be awesome. There could I, be... I, Three wild card teams. There might be, you know, we saw it in I think 2013. Um, yep, the play-in game, the the Rays and the Indians. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep, yep. And uh, so many. And crazy we had to scenarios. play the Rays. The Rays came to Fenway. Right, and oh, that's right. Yeah, I wanted the Indians so bad that year, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were a good team though, so um, no, there wasn't a ton to worry about, but. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just crazy. I can't wait. I can't wait for for those games to take place. And luckily for me personally, I have a lot going on that week and the weekend, and the schedule lines up perfectly because it's Friday, Saturday with an off day on Sunday, <laughs> and uh, so I, I won't miss any of the ALDS. But uh, hopefully, they're night games instead of these stupid. Dumbass four o'clock games. <laughs> yeah, true. Or, or even I think there might even be some one o'clock games during the week. Um, oh, if, God. if there's any, that's, oh, well, that's brutal. Maybe not though, because I think Red Sox Yankees I think would get prime time. Oh, without a doubt. If no, it happens, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Be honest, that's the that's the match that MLB wants to happen is the Yankees Red Sox. <laughs> oh, for sure. Of sure. course, they would. They would rather have it be in the ALCS, like oh, it was in two thousand four. Really, MLB really has to do something about the formatting or something just to make it like to these matchups. Like the Yankees, Yankees, Red Sox playing the ALDS. In my opinion, that's just a crime. It should be ALCS somehow. Or like they, they're, they should be seated differently, so they could be matching up in the ALCS. I mean, but it really, they still technically could. Couldn't? Uh, no, not not not, not with not, this not, format not, at all, right? Not. Yeah, it's it literally can't happen in this format. We no, well, if we were the if we were the two or three seed on a given year, then it oh, yeah, could. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it technically, could. Yeah. yeah, it could actually. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's realistic. I mean, I don't think we're gonna win a hundred games next year, really. <laughs> so yeah, you never know. I, no. Yeah, well, hundred game winning seasons. No matter how good the team is, that that's so hard to predict. Anyways, though, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd consider a ninety seven win year next year highly successful. You know, so. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it it'll you know we'll we'll still see some, but you never know though either because the last time we played in ALCS was two thousand four. I mean, I was twenty one years old <laughs> that year, and you guys were way younger than that. But uh, yeah, I was a little. Thank God, I, I was, was like, like I was like eight or nine. Yeah, I, was, I do remember it though, like it was yesterday. Yeah, and I can't imagine. That. Oh, go ahead. No, I was saying that I, I was only four years old at the time, so I can't imagine. Like, thank God, <laughs> if I was if I was over the age of say eight, that would have like put me in a home or something. That would have been. I don't know how to. I wouldn't have known how to react. Like what? Like what do I do now? Like that would have been awful. Yeah, you know, I think I've alluded to the fact that I was a corrections officer previously, and and it's been a long time since I've done it. But I, I was I had just started that year, and I remember talking about the wild card race in training, 
and uh, you know, with all the other new officers, and um, mm. and then by the time we hit the on the floor training, that was when the uh, ALCS was going on. So a lot of the a lot of the games that I kind of saw were literally in jail, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I was uh, I was you know working there at the time. I did see I do remember seeing game four of the world series at home. So I was off that night, but, um, but I know I was in there for game six and seven of the ALCS. And, uh, it was just such a, such a weird time in my life. But, um, and, and I, I haven't done any of that since, uh, 2007, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And I wasn't quite the, the diehard Sox fan that I was, uh, that I am now. Oh, really? Yeah, the, my first sport, believe it or not, was NASCAR, and uh, and, oh, yeah. and then I was a I was a huge boxing fan, uh, you know, through middle school and high school, and um, and it wasn't until like all my heroes kind of retired from there, I kind of needed a new sport, and it just ended up being baseball. Yeah, mm. probably by the time '07 came around, when we won that one, I was really I, I was all in for sure at that point, but. Uh, before that was mostly fair weather, you know, and I mean, I, I can, I still remember a lot of the nineties too. So I, I can remember Carlos Quintana, you know, playing first base and, uh, move on eventually. And, and uh, move on. I love move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, anyway, um, let's, uh, see where we're at on time. We're not going to go too far. Yeah, so we're, we're only at the 37-minute mark. Uh, let's talk about Mookie Betts real quick. Um, his stats are interesting. He's um, obviously I, he's probably leading the league in, in batting average. I know he's 15 points above uh, J.D. He's got 32, 33 home runs, but only 80 RBIs. And I, I was hard. Well, he's missed some time. He's missed some time, though, so I mean. True. He if he played if he if he played the full season he'd probably reach one hundred. He could have, yeah. But also his his home run to RBI ratio isn't you know that yeah, impressive either. But where is he hitting the lineup though? Lead off. That's, that, that's what I was just no, getting at. That, there you go, right there. <laughs> Don't even RBIs. To be honest, like I'm not one of those guys that say it's completely an outdated and old school stat, but it, it has to be taken with a grain of salt as to where the guy's hitting. Yeah, no, and that's exactly it. And I just don't know. I mean, you can make a case for Trout still. I mean, he's a perennial. Oh, I'd say, this, in my opinion, this is not biased. Or maybe a little biased. I'm not sure. But in terms of if I'm debating who the MVP is, and if it's not if it's not JD Martinez, in my opinion, it should be Mike Trout. Because if you compare if you compare Trout's numbers to Betts' numbers, they're actually much, they're not much better, but they are better in best team matter games. Yeah, no, and that's what I'm getting at. And some people are trying to make the case for Alex Bregman as well. And Mm-mm. close in top five, I wouldn't. Nah. Yeah. Who's, wait, who, who's your guys' pick? Like for I mean, if you're picking, say JD or Betts, who is it? I, I would JD say JD without a doubt. Yeah, I, I, yeah. He's a better hitter because he can hurt you so many different ways. You know, Mookie just drives him to left field, you know, like a like a typical righty. And he does very well with it, but J.D. uses the whole field, and I just think he's a better pure hitter 
really at this point in their careers. But unfortunately, he's mostly a DH, and there's obviously a huge bias with the voters as I'm not, far as I'm that not goes. I'm part of that crowd. The whole like, I, I'm not, I don't have anything against DHs. If I'm picking between Betts and JD, it's JD easily, easily. Yeah, I agree. But what I was getting at too, though, is if Mookie was hitting out of the three hole with at least Benintendi in front of him, and I don't know who the leadoff guy would have been at that point. I've always liked Bogarts in that spot, but he has kind of emerged as more of a power hitter this year versus a, a slappy contact hitter the previous two years. And and the the Bogarts of the previous two years I, I thought would be a great leadoff hitter. But, yep. um, and even if they slotted him there right now with his, you know, with his... 2018 approach I, I still thought he would have been viable and then with Bogarts and Benny hitting in front of Mookie I think Mookie would have been an absolute lock for for MVP because the RBIs would be up there and he'd probably be a, a 30 probably at least a 30 120 guy if not you know a 35 120 i would guy. say 30 yeah 35 yeah yeah so i just think i that's what i'm getting at here is i i think the leadoff spot really hurt him as far as that but race goes i don't think that'll really affect the mvp case too much for especially like the writers and all who are like even more advanced into it than we are it's the rbis a lot of them they, they just discount them completely to be honest it's getting to the point almost like like how wins are discounted, not that it's that level, but like everything's relative and also just based on your situation with your team, where you're hitting. Like you said, if Betts is hitting the three hole, he's driving in 120 compared to the however many he has right now. Yeah, but I just think I think the Red Sox would have been a better team in, in that regard as well. Oh yeah, haven't you? I, I'm pretty sure you've been going at that all season. Yeah, why? like you don't you don't like how he's batting me off. I remember you tweeting that all. I don't either. Yeah, I, most Red Sox fans don't. I've heard they don't. It's not dumb. Fans. It makes no sense. I, I think well, they, a lot of times teams will look at it the fact that all right, say in the case Mookie Betts is your best hitter, you have a uh, on base percentage guy of what four forty at the top of the lineup, and him, him hitting leadoff will benefit him and more at bats. You could say so more at bats to your best hitter, pretty much. Right. right. Well, I guess I guess that's the argument for it, but the argument against it is like. You know, not not that many runs back. Are, are, well, not that many RBIs, and then you know, I guess you know he's got no protection at that point in time. But I guess if you put him on, then he can still hurt you with the stolen base. So I guess that's kind of a moot point. But mm-hmm. see, I, I see like I see the, each argument both ways. To be honest, I just think Alex Cora came in and he knows that he basically has John Farrell's team, with the exception of. Um, J.D. Martinez, and I, I think he, he wanted to kind of shake things up a bit, and Mookie did want to hit lead off, and I guess Cora was receptive of that, because he, he thought that Mookie could kind of replicate what Springer did last year, but I just, I, I don't like a lot of things about how the lineup is structured, and we had we had Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. We won two World Series with them hitting in the three in the four hole, and I, I get that analytics is a big thing now and it, it's changed the game. But what other team other than the Red Sox has two scrap heap guys hitting in in on a given night the three or four spot like like Moreland and Pierce do? 
On what mm. team do you see that? Besides mm. us. Not- Mm. Yeah, none. That's yeah, crazy. I, I, can't, I can't think of any. Like Steve Pierce is probably in, in the Yankee series going to hit fourth. It's He's just, been good against us. Real good against us. He is a Yankee killer, but uh, I just I don't know. That's the thing. So, and when we talk about the one hundred and eight hundred and ten wins, whatever it ends up at. This is some of what will be scrutinized if things don't go well. And then there was also Alex Cora resting guys nonstop. And, uh, you know, we got a eight or nine game lead, so I guess I can't really complain. But how's that theory of resting guys going to look if we're watching the ALCS on the couch? You know, so. I, I get the whole resting thing. It makes sense because you don't really have anything to play for and whatnot. But that could also – that could take a player out of its groove too. I've heard, I think Paul O'Neill would go on about that, that he didn't like being benched down the stretch or like once they already clinched because it would kind of it, – it changes something mentally where like the competitiveness takes a break and then all of a sudden you're put, put right back into it in the postseason and it kind of messes with you. Yeah, but I mean Cora's been doing this all year and he does it a lot the day before an off day. As well, well, which drives me nuts. Boone will do that too, and it drive. I mean, I know the Yankees lineup is heavily constructed by the front office and computers, but still, like the Yankees have benched like key players like Didi Gregorius, twenty-one-year-old Glaber Torres for an off day, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah, and speaking of Boone, he's probably going to be back next year, I would think. Oh yeah, I, my thing is that the only way he wouldn't have been back is if the Yankees somehow blew the lead for the wild card in September. I think that's the only way he wouldn't be back. Yeah, I, I mean... Do you think they'd get rid of him after one year? Only if that, that situation I just described happened. That's the only, I, I, that's the only way I'd see it, to be honest. But I don't even know. That's the only way. I don't think it would happen, because that would be such a terrible move, like, optics-wise, to hire or fire a man, or let go a manager that just got you to the seventh game of the ALCS against the World Series champions and then hire a new manager and then fire him within a year. That would look terrible. So I don't think they'd do it. But, but also, though, Cashman took a lot of a lot of heat for bringing in a guy with no experience, especially for as long as the process was dragged out. And I, I think the process was dragged out because he had to make sure that Joe Girardi would not end up with the Red Sox. And uh, once Alex Cora was hired... You know, they, they got rid of Girardi. But. And also, it has a lot to do with the fact that the job of being a baseball manager, manager has changed a lot. So in terms of what Boone's doing versus, say, what, you know, Casey Stengel was doing is just completely different. So where it's Aaron Boone is being, it's almost like a puppet a puppet for, like, the front office because they manipulate everything. They're, they're the ones that are, like, getting all the numbers to put out these lineups and getting all the analytics and whatnot. So Boone's kind of just, like, I'd say kind of more of a puppet than a manager. You just handle, and also he's good at handling the whole media and whatnot. He's been he's he comes from that field, so I think it's a it was an easy choice for Boone. I think. Well, the, the, that's absolutely true, and some teams are going like hardcore analytics like that. I don't think the Red Sox are one of them. Like this is Alex Cora's team, you know, not the analytics department. Mm-hmm. So there is, and I like that. I think that's so much better. It's 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 almost like. When I see Boone talking in the post-game interviews, I feel like I'm listening to a robot. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The Dodgers... That's how we felt with John Farrell. (laughs) 
Yeah, but I still think that was Farrell's team. I just think he just happened to lean heavily on analytics. But, because, um, I mean, he shouldn't have sat Devers versus Keiko last year. I mean, Devers was destroying lefties, and he puts in Devin Marrero. <laughs> to face Keiko, who is a lefty. There was a lot that went on that made me really believe that Farrell was the guy in charge. And I think Dombrowski, as early as August, could not wait to fire that guy. And, um, but with, with Boone, I mean, the Dodgers are an analytics team. I don't think Dave Roberts is really calling the shots. The Phillies have kind of taken that on. Um, I don't think the Astros. I think they they use a lot of analytics, but I think that is AJ Hinch's team. Um, yeah. So who knows what's right and wrong? But I'd rather I'd rather let the manager do it, and you know, manage. I, to- I totally agree. I hate the whole new age stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm heavily into analytics, but in terms of, I don't want analytics completely controlling everything left and right. 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 Farrell would do stupid stuff like he wouldn't he wouldn't consider like how the player was doing recently like if say for instance um, I'm trying to use like a say Gardner for example because he's been a Yankee for a while if Matt Barnes had great numbers against Brett Gardner, but had a ERA over six in the last four weeks, he would still go to Barnes in that situation. And no, yeah, that, that's ridiculous. I, I can't, I couldn't, I, my mind would explode. I just couldn't, I couldn't take that. And we I s- have a problem with, right, go ahead. No, no, you go. Go ahead. Um, in terms of with Boone and just the Yankees in general, they don't really believe it the hot hand for the most part so like if per se a player who isn't an everyday player say greg bird or whatnot say he has a three homer game today there and then the matchups don't line up tomorrow they won't play tomorrow they don't believe that one game can make you hot they don't really believe in momentum and they believe in matchups a little a little too much for my liking almost to the point of absurdity that it just gets in the way in my opinion it, it gets ridiculous yeah, and uh, speaking of Farrell, he might interview with uh, the Reds, which I think would be the dumbest move of all time because it's such a young team and he could not handle young talent very well. Reds should get Girardi. Yeah, I mean, he's got to end up somewhere, you would think. Oh, he has to end up somewhere. I, that's the thing, but it all depends on, like I said, like what the front office is like, if they're the whole new age media and whatnot, because that's a big old reason the Yankees let go of Girardi was that they felt he was going in a different direction like with the club and that they wanted something they can kind of control and they didn't really think they could get that as much with Girardi. Yeah, he wasn't going to he wasn't going to bow to the analytics or at least yeah. in a way that that he was uncomfortable with. I he wasn't going to be the Yankees puppet, you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. I will I will say one thing. I think like not like I'm a sports fan of just about every sport I can watch just about all of them and hockey is, you know, my number one. I think analytics is ruining every single sport. Like, we can't just sit there and watch the game. We have to continue to critique it. And I know analytics, for some people, they love it, and, and I get it. But th- there goes up to a point where you're just going too far, I think. 
And I think that, that some of these games, especially baseball, is going in the wrong direction with analytics. I think I know it's important, but I think some teams just value it way, way, way too much. Do you guys I, agree? I could I could not I could not agree more. It's getting to the point where it's like I feel like people are so heavily into analytics that they don't count like the eye test and just like Yeah. Like in terms of just like I feel like they'll find it more important to go look at fan graphs than actually watch the baseball game and, like, see how a player performs or actually just actually look into things instead of, like, I don't know, looking at all these advanced stats. And I am into advanced stats a lot, but with a grain of salt, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, you have to – like, it, in, in most sports, you, you have to look at the advanced stats, but then you have to, like, watch and see, is this guy – can this guy play or can he not play? The, the, exactly. It's a simple question. Can he play in the league, or or, or is he not uh, available, to, or you know, not eligible to play in the league? Like, is he not good enough to play in the league? Exactly, it's a simple question. Can he play, or can like, he not? Is is this guy a major leaguer? Is this guy can this guy produce at the major league level? And, and then the other thing would be, um, you know, what kind of major leaguer is he? Is if mm-hmm. if he's a major leaguer, is he a superstar? Is he an all star? Is he a role player? Is he a little bit more than a role player? Like. There's just a zillion questions, and that to me weighs more than the analytic. But oh, all, yeah. also, though, th- this is what really kills it for me. When you when you embrace analytics, you're you're discounting whether or not a player can evolve. Like well, you, thing, you yeah. can't you can't take. You can't take the first two years of Miguel Andahar, who's having a good year, by the way, and say that this is the player he's always going to be, and we're going to only use him in these situations. You just can't do that. Like Travis mm. Shaw would be a good Red Sox example. You know, the, it mm. got to the point where they wouldn't let him hit lefties, and he was a platoon guy, and and that's who he was under the Farrell regime, and then. You know, and then he was traded for Thornburg, which was obviously terrible. But but Shaw is thriving out in Milwaukee yeah. and is going to be a cornerstone of that organization for a long time. And analytics would have killed his career if if you know Milwaukee didn't didn't let him you know be the player he could be. So yeah, I think it's just. In terms of just like the whole analytical argument, it's just like it's simple. There should just be a fair balance of the, the eye test, the hot hand, and then you can look into the whole analytical argument and whatnot. Because I, I, like I said, I mean, I am heavily into analytics, but with a fair dosage, of course. It, it's yeah, kinda... you gotta you gotta be able to you gotta be able to differentiate, you know, with with the eye test and with the analytics as well. It's too exactly. bad that they they changed the baseballs and, and juiced them or wh- whatever you want to call it because. I have a feeling if that didn't happen, like five or ten years from now, the stats would all be the same as they they were previously. I mean, mm. half the league is always going to suck, regardless of what analytics they use, and guys are only going to be 30, 40 home run guys with maybe a few exceptions in their career. They might exceed 50, but... Um, but the the game will always evolve. I mean, last year it was all about 
it was all about the home runs. This year, I think pitchers kind of adapted and kind of, kind of, you know, took over and, you know, and kind of took the next step forward. So next year, you know, all the power hitters, you know, Mookie, Judge, Trout, all them are going to have to, you know, are going to have to readjust to the pitchers to yeah. to regain the the edge and. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't. Yeah, the game really has changed a lot. I mean, especially like in the last decade and whatnot. And just the fact that like, you go back to like the start of 2017. I remember Masahiro Tanaka, he was saying, I think because he had a down year last year, had like a high four year, right? He was saying, he's like, I'm not trying to make excuses, but the ball is just like, it feels different. They almost like it was more tightly wound, whatever it is. It just, there definitely was something up with the ball. Now. Yeah, but I think. I think that's good for the game, and I think that oh, yeah. Major League oh, yeah. Baseball is worried about the future of the game, so they have to make smart. changes. Yeah, it's extremely offense, smart. Offense gets ratings, not pitchers' duels. Like as much as I love them, they don't really get ratings. You look at the steroid era. Why that? Why Absolutely. the MLB? It's like I mean I don't know. I'm assuming you guys know this, and not a lot of people do. Is that the MLB knew about the whole steroid problem? And of course they did. And just. It was ratings. Like you look at not even just the fact of bonds, just like everybody, home runs were skyrocketing to the point of absurdity. So I mean, well, that they know offense gets ratings. That's why they're doing this. They're they're trying to recreate the steroids era without the steroids. Is really mm-hmm. what's I'm, going I think on. I'm perfectly okay with it. I don't care. I'm okay with it. I'm fine with the ball going out of the ballpark. I'll, the only thing I will say, and, and and you know, a lot of people will agree with this, is like. You know, there's less balls in play than ever before, and I think that that's that's terrifying for baseball. You know, they're three and a half hour games. Yeah, yeah, it's becoming home run or nothing. That's yeah, yeah. That's that's the problem. If there was a lot of home runs, plus there was a lot of doubles, because not only balls in play, not only does that create hits like doubles, singles, triples, maybe even inside the park home runs. But it also creates web gems, like absolutely great say, plays yeah. in the outfield yeah. and, and, you know, errors and, and all kinds of stuff. Mm, and, exactly. and that's more entertaining than seeing a guy take one, two, three, you're done, and now somebody else is coming to the plate. So I, I, yeah, I don't know what, what happens, you can you do. Play, there's action. Exactly. I don't know what you can do to, to change that because – the, the player's approach is going to have to change because I feel like now the approach throughout the game is the same. Hit the ball out. The mm-hmm. out you know, outs don't matter anymore. Strikeouts don't matter That's anymore. Or thing. outs it's do, but strikeouts don't. They're, they're focusing a lot on the whole, obviously, exit velocity and, like, line drives and all. And, um, and launch angle. Yeah, launch angle is the big one. Yeah, and I guess it's in terms of MLB can't really do anything about it, per se. It's just going to come down to the point once, I don't know, players decided to start focusing on contact more well i guess the other thing too is players are not not no longer really getting paid for hitting 300 players are getting paid to hit the ball out you know you mm-hmm. pay a guy yeah. that, that hits 40 45 home runs a lot more than a guy that hits you know 320 and only has 15 home runs oh yeah in terms of just like, yeah. valuing a player the batting average really isn't even looked at for that i think the main stat people will go to is ops plus weighted runs created plus and whatnot and then home runs that's pretty much it right exactly and home runs is still obviously a big thing but i mean here's the thing to me i mean like i'll take a guy like Betts or a guy like judge even judge i mean i thought judge was going to be a total softball player and he does strike out a lot but i thought he was going to be like gallo and i'll take a guy like judge 
I, I didn't I think heard... he was going to be terrible. I thought he would be like Gallo, where he'd hit the, hit the ball a mile, but he would strike out a zillion times a year. That's, that was that was literally he was Joey Gallo in his call up season when he played. Right, he had eighty four bats, struck out uh, forty two times. But with Judge, I remember I was sitting down with my brother at a diner the day before opening day of twenty seventeen, and I said to him, I was like. Man, I really wish they traded Judge while his value was still high. I think he's going to be brutal. And then, of course, he goes on to hit 54 home runs and whatnot. But the thing with Judge is that his eye has improved so much. I mean, of course, he strikes out a lot. But his on-base percentage, I mean, this year it's like just under 400. Last year it was, I think, 422. Right. You look at on-base percentage and then it's home runs. That tells what kind of player he is. Yeah, and then there's the whole thing, too, with like this, this whole theory of, yes, the game is getting younger, but... It's also devaluing the players uh, for for their careers. Like Matt Holiday, well, wouldn't the Red Sox or the Yankees love to have a guy like Matt Holiday on their team right now? Oh yeah, I, I, I was for sure. And and that's the thing. It's like it's like you're trying to get these older guys out of the game, but at the same time, it's like you're going to put in a guy that has never played the major leagues before, and you're going to expect him to learn everything. But when you can just plug in a guy like Matt Holiday for, I don't know, to what, $10 million, $12 million a year? Less. Less, maybe. Yeah, maybe even less. So, I don't know. I just don't like where the game is going in that aspect as well because I think we're going to have another offseason like we had last year where players aren't going to be signed until May, or not May, I'm sorry, uh, March and, you know, maybe oh, yeah. February. What else does that do with, like, teams are finally starting to realize that signing players that are in the 30s to long-term extensions and contracts is just ridiculous. Like, and it isn't worth it either. You look at the Jacoby Ellsbergs and like Pablo Sandoval and stuff, it's just like signing a player that's in the 30s to a long-term deal, it's not, it's, most of the time it's not going to work out. Right, I guess I guess the, what what teams tried to do in the the 2010s and like you know I guess even a little bit before that was, was recreate what the Yankees did, you know, in the mm what the the 90s and the early 2000s, 2000s where they yeah. would they would pay guys i guess even even those teams were home growing for the most part but but like honest, you know the, the, whole, the 09 yeah. yankees was pretty much a, a, a free agent team right the only yeah the only team that you could really get on the yankees about like a world series championship about like spying the team quote-unquote the 09 yankees they spent about 500 million that all season on cc aj to i mean they really unloaded the bank Right, uh, but uh, but that's okay. I mean, that's the part of the game, you know. That's that's and another thing what that's you do now too is that back then in the in the early two thousands, the Yankees were always the big powerhouse. But now teams have money to spend all around, pretty much. It's not just a thing of like, oh, the Yankees can afford whoever they want. I mean, it's kind of it's a lot more fair of a market now than it was. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, I mean, you, before you would have never seen a guy like Eric Hosmer sign with the San Diego Padres. Oh, hell no. You, yeah. you, he would have signed with the Yankees. You yeah. know, and I thought I thought he would still end up with the Yankees because I don't know how much you guys believe in Greg Bird, but well, he did. He ended up with changed. the Padres. And, that's changed so. within this season. This season's kind of been a little bit of a wake up call. I mean, like the Yankees were about as successful they could be with Greg yeah. Bird, but yeah. This season, especially with the emergence of Luke Voigt, Greg Greg Bird's stock with the Yankees has definitely taken a hit. Yeah, and he's, he's always going to be injury prone. But, I mean, we'll probably in the coming weeks have a lot of free agency talk. But, I mean, I don't think a lot of these guys are going to get the, excuse me, $400 million that 
you know that they're projected to. I mean, what only reason they would is only reason they would is their age. To be honest, the fact that they're twenty six, Machado and Harper. I mean, is then you have you say you sign them to a ten year deal. I don't know, forty million a year, whatever. Then and the contract expires when they're thirty six. That's pretty pretty much is a good deal. But I don't think I think Harper will get about maybe two hundred million if he does sign a long term deal and not like a like a makeup one year deal to kind of get things right. But I think I think Machado will definitely be at least three hundred million plus. I, I just I don't think teams really value that though. I mean, it's definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I, the the whole the whole Bryce Harper is going to get four or five hundred million. That's just that's overblown. That's not going to happen. That was no, never going to happen. No, I that was, was never going to happen. There was happen. a point I think where it was. I think it would happen. Uh, but in the combination now of obviously the free agency market and just in general has changed, and also like the Harper hitting two forty this year, that's just not going to happen. But the, the other. Go ahead, sorry. I, I, no, I was just going to say with Machado is Machado's having a really good year. And yeah. even though the defensive analytics actually aren't too high on him at shortstop, I mean, the guy is going to be a good defender. He is a good defender. Yeah. I mean, Machado, you're kind of, you know what you're getting for the most part. Well, the other fact, too, is like the teams now know the repercussions of spending over the luxury tax. I mean, the Red Sox oh, didn't yeah. even want to spend over the luxury tax because now you start losing draft picks. It's not like before where it was just a slap on the wrist and you just pay the money and, and you, you're on your merry way. Now you start losing draft picks. Exactly. And, and, and the way you re- replenish your farm system is draft picks. So, I mean, it just doesn't make sense for teams to go over the luxury tax. No, that's, and if, if you think the Yankees have learned their lesson, I mean, like, that's a big step. Everybody's Absolutely. <laughs> The fact that the Red Sox and the Yankees probably aren't going to be players in this free agent uh, free agency, you're probably not going to see Harper go to the Yankees. Maybe Machado. Machado, I, guess you could I would see say. That. I'd say I think they may re-sign Jay Happ, Zach Britton, and then probably go after Machado. I think is, and apparently Machado badly wants to be a Yankee. So. I think Machado, when it's all said and done, is going to end up in Philly, and I think that Bryce Harper is going to end up in Atlanta. A lot of people are saying that Phillies are going to go after both, but that, that, there's no way you can do that, to be honest. They'd be stupid, too. Well, their owner is stupid, though. He loves <laughs> to spend money, so I, they probably won't, but in his mind at this very moment, he might be thinking it's possible. Um, you know what the Phillies could do, though? The Phillies could, get, could theoretically land Harper and Donaldson, though. Yeah, Donaldson, I forget. his value is. get Donaldson. Donaldson will probably sign a one-year deal. I figure. Yeah, he's not going to be. Yeah. He's nowhere near the MVP guy, and and even if he was, I mean, the, the amount of games he played this year, you can't feel safe giving him like a multi-deal, a multi-year deal at all. Exactly. Yeah, no. it's not going to happen. Especially, especially like like we're talking about. You know, the money isn't what it used to be. But the players still make a lot of money, but. You know the the term isn't there. The, the, I was the dollar say, is definitely still there, but the term. The, yeah, is not the, the there. years aren't because they're smart. I mean, like you look at it, like, hey, maybe Harper will get his forty million. I don't know, but will it be over like ten to twelve years? I don't think so for Harper. Machado, I think I, I think Machado will get a ten year, at least two hundred million dollar deal. I think. Look at it this way. This is the example I love to give. Now, assume assume these guys are healthy, okay, like they were at the start of their contracts. But are you a better team? Taking forty million and then giving it to, let's say, uh, Edwin Encarnacion, Mitch Moreland, and Andrew Miller. So that's a package there for forty million. Are you better off with those three or just Bryce Harper by himself? 
Well, another thing that goes into it is also obviously the player that like Harper and Machado are, but the marketing value for them is like immense. It's enormous in terms of just like tickets, tickets sold and whatnot will go up with Harper and Machado because they're stars. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, so so are playoff games. I mean, those are huge money makers. Oh yeah, but like let's let's not act like Harper and Machado won't make a huge impact though. You know what I mean? And it, it's not like. I mean, all right, if the White Sox go sign Machado, I, I don't think he's going to turn him into a 91 team, but a team like the Phillies that's, like, going to finish right around 500 this year, I guess, looking to take that next step because they think they're a year ahead. They go, out, they go out and get a Machado or a Harper, then I think that is crucial to their... They were in the fight all year long. Yeah, until about, like... To the like, end. Start of August, pretty much, to sort of falter. Yeah. 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 I would, actually right at 500 right now. I'd rather have just... Based on their personalities, uh, I'd much rather have a Machado than a Harper. Just because, without a doubt, yeah. I think Harper is just a, a terrible clubhouse cancer more than the Nationals are willing to admit. Because look at that Brandon Kinsler deal. He was traded to the Cubs because Mike Rizzo, the general manager of the Nationals, thought that that Kinsler was a clubhouse rat and leaked a couple of minor incidents to Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports because they printed some articles apparently about something that went on behind the scenes with the Nationals and then so they make up their minds they're like okay Kinsler's probably the rat let's just get rid of him so he goes to Chicago and then this becomes a story and then Jeff Passan comes out and says I never had any contact whatsoever with Brandon Kinsler about anything Nationals related. Yeah, and Kinsler was denying it the whole time anyway, which is probably how it did become a story. But um, but that's that's the Washington Nationals clubhouse in which Bryce Harper is the central figure. So I don't want him. It, we're already a big enough circus as it is without Bryce Harper. So oh yeah, think think about our markets too. I mean, like anything Bryce Harper does or whatever he says, like it's magnified times two in like the Boston market, like New England market, and the New York market. You know, it, it's it would be like having two David Prices for us. That's he's not coming like. here. He's not coming here. Let's just put it that way. He's not coming here, and he's not going to New York either. So we can both get that out of our. Ah, uh, no, no. I'd say there's uh, never count the Yankees out. They, as, as smart as they've been, I guess the last couple of years, I still see, think they they could go after him. No, I think I think if they're going to go after anyone, it's Machado. And the reason I say that they're not they're out on Bryce Harper is because I think they went and they got their their slugging outfielder last offseason. Yeah, and also their their outfield is pretty much jammed anyways for the most part. So right, right. But, they don't need him. The only reason. Well, with Harper, and the difference between Harper and Machado could come into the fact that the Yankees have a lot of right-handed heavy power, and Bryce Harper's left-handed swing in Yankee Stadium, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie, that's, like, salivating worthy. So it's like that and Harper, I mean, Machado's obviously a right-hander, so, I mean, I think that could come into play if the Yankees' outfield is all right-handed. What's the Yankees' luxury test situation? Uh, Right now, I think they're 191. Two, I believe. Just and it's one ninety seven or one ninety seven. One ninety seven, yeah. One ninety seven. With, okay. with the Red Sox, though, uh, we're over it, and we can be over it next year as well, as long as by that next off season, so two off seasons from now, we do get under it. We'll avoid the real serious um, 
penalty. Tax penalties, yeah. But also, consider this, though. Dave Dombrowski is going to be on the hot seat if, <laughs> if this doesn't go well. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe he keeps his job and maybe – Maybe he thinks Bryce Harper might make a lot of us happy. And, oh God! And I so I'm not I'm not going to discount that's the problem it. Problem I I feel like we're probably not going to get him regardless, but it, that one little thing stays in the back of my mind. So, um, we'll. Uh, I mean, we'll, I'd be all right with it if he came. I mean, uh, it, I, mean I guess it makes the lineup better. You don't. You're not a Bryce Harper guy, though, right? I see. I like Bryce Harper. I I hate him. Yeah, I'd be. I would. Abs- I'm not saying I would burn all my Red Sox stuff if he showed up. <laughs> I might like in the second season of his contract, but, um, but I just I don't like the guy. I, I don't like David Price. I'll fully admit that David Price is a talented pitcher. He's a great regular season pitcher and would probably see i get think us... he used to be great i think he's yeah. over the hill now i think, I think he's, he's good he's good now, now. well yeah. i think he's adapted he's though and and adapted very well you know not a lot of pitchers in their 30s do i mean i think he's he's one year younger than me so he's gonna if he's not 34 he will be at some point this year yeah, i think and, he's 33 yeah yeah and um i just you know, I I just hate him, and I want him gone. I, <laughs> it's like that's what it is. I want him to opt out. He's not, he's not going to opt out, right? You know, I don't know. I, I I heard he hates Boston, so I mean, maybe I don't know. I think it's close to fifty fifty because say he chokes in the playoffs like he does, I think a oh, lot yeah, of teams will of still yeah, find that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I, like the teams will still find value in his regular season work, I think. And there's nothing not anywhere close to what he's getting, though. It won't even be close. Well, if he's willing, no, no. Well, it'll look, be like twenty million a year, probably. Well, that's what's he making right now. He's making thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yeah. But but I don't I don't taking twenty. But but like say he does get twenty, that's taking a haircut of what eleven million a year. But but then you're happy. You're more happy. exactly you can live a, a happier lifestyle if you're him. And he's already made oh, yeah. over two hundred million, regardless. And I think he, I think like four years, twenty five million would be realistic. Porcello's four years, <laughs> twenty million. So I think I, I don't I don't think Price is getting twenty five million a year. For four years, mm. I think he'd get twenty, and that's that's a stretch. Twenty is a stretch. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, well, who knows after last season's market? But um, I don't know. I just think, yeah, I don't know. He if he hates Boston bad enough, he'll he'll. I can see, out. like maybe I think he'll get like seventy over four years, maybe. To be honest, I don't think he's getting 20. I think he's maybe getting like high teens, maybe 18, 19 million. Well, look at it from his agent's point of view. If you're his agent, do you see a Boris client? No, I forget who it is. He does have no, he's not a Boris client. It's a it's a well known uh, agency, it's a group that he he uh is represented by. But um, isn't he isn't he represented by Levinson Brothers just like Lester? Maybe. Pretty sure he is. Or it could be that Aces whatever group. I, I don't remember. Yeah, but, it could be that too. But yeah. look at it from the agent's point of view. 
if you saw a three something ERA and an ERA well under two for the second half, wouldn't you love to have a crack at an open market? Uh, I mean, and wait, are you saying from price? This point of view? No, from the agents. Like, the agent could simply tell him, look, I think we could do better. Oh, no, no. I don't think I don't think Price can do better. Definitely not. Is there, oh, are you talking about his happiness? Like, and the- no, I'm just talking strictly from his agent's point of view, who's trying to like, cash in again. Money? Yeah, exactly. Like no, the, no, I don't, you think, I don't the, think Price will get anything better. Because what does he have left? Three years at, like, 30 million a year? <laughs> Thirty-one million dollars a year for like it's four, four years. years. He he's got a hundred a hundred and twenty-seven million remaining after this year. But oh, man, hell no! I don't think he's opting out. To be honest, but unless it's, he's really miserable there. But I'm um, I'm he still is. I'm still t- he is miserable here for sure. But I'm still I'm still talking strictly from the agent's point of view. Do you think his agent is going to tell him? I can't do better than that. You need to stay here. Or do you think the agent is going to get fucking horny? And want to try to, you know, try to make a move and get get another big payday. Uh, well, the other, the only argument against it, and I, I don't mean to cut you guys off. The only argument against it, like if you're if you're the agent, there's not a whole lot on the open market. David Price would be the best pitcher by far on the open. That is market. true. That that's actually a good point. So right. Yeah. So maybe a team like the Phillies says, oh, we got Arietta last year. Maybe we miss out on Bryce Harper. Let's load up in, uh, in the rotation. And we'll, we'll give him $20 million a year, you know, for four or five more years. One, yeah, you can't I deny can see the fact it. that if a team's looking at this guy are to be our ace and they're looking to, or even be our number two, I don't know, and they're looking, you know, as a postseason contender, like, his career postseason stats got to scare you away a little bit. Yeah, I guess a little bit. This postseason, too. I mean, it could just come down to the postseason, to be honest, whether or not he opts out. And if he if he's like lights out and we win the World Series, maybe he does. Because then, guess what? He 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 might get he might get that fifth year, you know, and like mm-hmm. five years at thirty million. That's that's one hundred and fifty, which is which exceeds the the you know 127 he's got left and he gets to play f- in a better environment he gets to flip us the middle finger and say people aren't I so mean him. to him yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> but I, there is people one don't guy, say mean things to him i think madison bumgarner might be a free agent though so uh, and no he's that, not he has one more year left oh does sure. he my bad okay yeah. so price would Make be wait how old is bad bum not even thirty, uh, 20, I don't think. Twenty nine, maybe. That's a, that's a twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, extremely. He's young. not resigning with the Giants. No way. Apparently, they may trade him. So, yeah, that's probably their best bet. Honestly, yeah, he's, he's twenty nine. Right they should have blown up the team probably at the start of this year rather than trade for Longoria and all these other old oh, guys. Yeah. But yeah, well, all right. Um, hey, or, do you want to say something else real quick? Oh no, no, I'm all good. <laughs> okay, you can. Should you we want. bring up the the Cleveland Houston series real I, quick? I was gonna. I mean, because we'll spend. We can spend ten minutes on this. Um, let's start with Dan because who who scares you the most? Say say you win the wild card, you beat the Red Sox. Who scares you the most? Oh, Houston, without a doubt. I think anybody. If I was to face any team. 
if I had the choice, I, I wouldn't want to face Houston. They're the most complete team in baseball, probably the best team well, in baseball. It's a fact. Obviously, their starting rotation, the chemistry factor is big with me, and their offense when it's you know at at their not even their peak when they're just playing well. They're I think it's one of the best offenses in baseball, of course, and their bullpen can be good. And also the fact that they've been there and done that, they have the experience with it. I think that's huge. So yeah, I'd say definitely Houston. What do you think, Tyler? All right, so since he said Houston, yes, Houston does scare me. They've been there, done that. They also There's also a thing called a World Series hangover. I think that Cleveland scares me the most because of what we've seen two years ago. And, you know, Andrew Miller, I know he's not the same guy, but now they got Brad Hand back there. That bullpen scares the absolute shit out of me. That lineup scares the shit out of me. Uh, you know, Lindor and those guys, those guys mash against the Red Sox. And so I, that team really, put, that that's the team that I'd be the most scared of. Now, I, I guess you can make an argument because Houston's rotation is insane. And yeah. so is their lineup. But, I mean, Cleveland just scares me more if I'm a Red Sox fan. Houston, I mean, we were within... One, we're like five outs away from forcing a game five in Houston last year. So I think the Indians might have the best rotation in the American League. I mean, I think all of them are under three. Uh, you know, Kluber's having a great year. Um, you know, some people. Carrasco and Bauer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bauer, and who seemed to come back with no ill effects. I think he was on like a very limited 40 pitch. Uh, yeah, how did they talk about him coming out of the bullpen? Maybe in the divisional series, I've been wondering that. But he by then, by the end of that, he should be ready to start the um, the ALCS should they get there. But Clevenger, you know, sub sub uh, four ERA, maybe even a sub three. Um, Carrasco, as long as he's not facing the Red Sox, he's he's pretty stout. And I don't know, I. It could go either way. You're just picking your poison, and I, I get what both of you are saying. I mean, I think I think Houston is the most complete team, but um, as Tyler was saying, the, the Indians have also been there and done that, basically. I mean, they've gone all the way to Game 7 of a World Series. That's a, that's a pitching staff. It's basically staff. the same team, mind you. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And they're you know they added Brad Hand and uh, Adam Simber is also a good Donaldson. So Donaldson, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. just that it team depends. Lineup's really good. And Clevenger has a three point oh seven in thirty one starts this year. None of these American League managers are gonna are gonna outmanage uh, Francona. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing I was about to say. I know the Astros won the World Series last year and. I, you know, this is going to sound bad because I think A.J. Hinch seems like a wonderful guy. I don't think he's the greatest manager in the world. I think he's got a really good team with him, and I think that he pushed a lot of the right buttons last year. I don't think he's a great manager. I've watched him a lot this year during the season, and he makes some dumbass moves, I'm telling you right now. And I don't know if if uh, Frank Kona, I'm sure, will outmanage him. I'm not sure if that will be the difference of it, but if it does come down to manager, I mean, who are you going to take, A.J. Hinch or Terry Francona? I take Francona. Francona. I think In Bob... Exa- exactly, and that's my point. Bob Melvin could kind of... 
he's a crafty guy too, you know, and he kind of has to be with a team like that. But um, that's a guy who could be a headache for a lot of people. So um, with the A's, I think the A's are just like a a good starting pitcher short, a good starting pitcher or two short of like being serious threats to win it all. Possibly, but they can they have the luxury of just having a, a five inning start, you know, out of most of them, and then going right to that bullpen. But um, yeah, you can't rely on the bullpen every single day to like, or at least from like top to bottom at least. Why not? Cleveland did in twenty sixteen or fifteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Like pitching, a, you can have a formula. Art, right, we're going to go to this guy in the sixth, seventh, eighth. Or like this guy in the sixth, this guy in the seventh. You know what I mean? So, but. Every single game to the point where, like I've seen it with the Yankees, that right, their bullpen is so good. But if you're going to them every single day with the same formula, you know you got to rest guys. You can't keep doing the same formula every day without like repercussions. Well, also though, as of a couple weeks ago, I had a tweet which you know a lot of Red Sox fans didn't like, but um, the the A's had been up until that point the number one offense since the All Star break. You know, they were leading in basically every major category. And so that is a team that can score runs as well. So, I mean, if they put up five or six early, I mean, that's – their pitching staff isn't terrible. Like, they're not going to give that up necessarily. So um, there's so many things you have to factor in here. But they do obviously have to win the wild card game at Yankee Stadium first, probably against Jay Happ, which is isn't anything I'd want to be faced with. So yeah, uh, you know, I'd love to see. Uh, I don't mean to cut you guys off. I would love to see that game be at the Coliseum. Just <laughs> I, selfishly, because be I wouldn't sleep on that. I'd be petrified. <laughs> oh God, the thought of it gives me stomach pains right now. Oh, I don't want to play game. there. That makes me want to no, root no, for the Yankees no. in that game because I don't even want to play in the Coliseum. I don't know why the thought of the Oakland Coliseum, especially when the A's are playing well, it's just like, I think it scares me. I think, literally, I think it is hell. I don't it, know why. It probably has ghosts it. in there that haunt the that shit out of like, people. It frustrates me. I'm like, oh, God, please. Terror. I don't I'll just think it. back to 2003. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're kind of we're pushing it on time, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap. But um, appreciate you guys coming on, and uh, Tyler, I'll we'll figure out Thursday. Um, yep. You know, I can probably come up with a plan B if I have to. Um, all right, so um, thanks again, and um, Dan, they can find you on uh, unhingedyankees.com. Yep. And uh, and then also on Twitter at Dan Allen Rourke, all uh, one word. That'll that'll be yeah. tagged in the in the tweet, like I said. So, um, all right. So uh, thanks again, and uh, have a good night, guys. Yep, you too. It's fun. Finally, we recorded uh, a new show, episode 82 in the books. We will be back on Thursday to uh, maybe talk about the Orioles. I mean, not that it really matters, but um, also um, we might know a little bit more about the playoff situation. The third base um, area is still a little unsettled. Devers kind of making a case. We didn't really talk about that tonight, but we'll we'll get into that stuff and more on the Thursday show, which will have a new permanent co-host. So, 
Um, that will be announced tomorrow uh, evening, so tune in for that. And, uh, yeah, have a good night. Red Sox right for eternity.